Amen. Can you guys give GJ and the worship team a huge hand? Rosalie? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do something real quick to embarrass somebody real quick, but we have a new person on operating cameras today. Can you guys say hi to Bella Landis over here in the corner? <laughs> uh, I asked Bella, I was like, Bella, how old are you? She's like, I'm 12. So, so there you go. Like, we appreciate you serving, and that's so awesome. I uh, want to welcome our evident family and friends joining us online. We're glad to have you guys with us today. How are you guys doing? Doing all right? Uh, it's an honor to be with you today. It's an honor to have you joining us online. Uh, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be an awesome time together. Uh, today and next Sunday are really important Sundays in the history and the life of our church. Uh, in fact, if you're not signed up to come to Vision Night tonight, uh, we have about nine spaces left uh, to where we can gather together uh, tonight to worship God, to hear more about what God's doing. I'd love to invite you to come. Uh, easiest way to get registered is to come see me after service or open up the Church Center app, and you can register that way. But uh, we're looking forward to a great time tonight together. It's going to be a, an incredible night. I'm excited to share with you guys more today about the details about our all-in campaign and what God's doing. But before we get to that, I want to ask you guys a question. Uh, my question is this, how do we make the biggest impact with our lives? How do we make the biggest impact? So what I believe is that God created us not just to live uh, mediocre lives, but God created us to live lives of significance and lives of impact. I don't know if you believe that or not, but I want you to by the end of today, that God didn't create you just to get by, but God created you to make a difference for his name's sake in this world while we live. Do you guys agree with this? Say amen. amen. That God wants us to make a difference in this world. So how do we do that? Uh, when we were kids and we wanted to jump into a pool and make the biggest splash possible, how did we do that? How do you make the biggest splash possible jumping into the pool? <laughs> yes. So there's lots of different options, right? Uh, you could do it, what's called a jackknife. You guys know the jackknife move? You kind of pull one leg up like this, and you kind of angle in. You can get the water to shoot a long ways. Somebody first service said the best way is to push a big kid into the pool. I'm not sure if that's very nice. Um, so you could do a jackknife. You could do the famous belly flop. And my guess is you do that one time, and that's about it. Uh, when I was in college, I went to a, a public uh, a pool with a group of guys, we were hanging out there all day, and these guys were really good on the diving board. And I'm not that, that comfortable around water. Like, I can, I can do water, but I'm a plug-the-nose kind of a guy. I'm a little bit ashamed to admit it, but I do plug my nose. So they were, like, diving off the diving board. They were diving straight down into through these, like, little inflatables in the pool. They were just having a great time. My go-to every time, because I didn't want to just be sitting on the edge of the pool, my go-to every time was the cannonball. I had to go up there, bounce on the, on the, the diving board. I do a cannonball every single time. So uh, it's interesting scientifically speaking, what do you think the best uh, splash is? What do you think the best dive is to make the biggest splash? According to science, what do you think it is? Not according to Dr. Fauci, according to science, all right? <laughs> so, I'm sorry, it was too easy. Okay, the cannibal. The cannibal, scientifically speaking, uh, it displaces the most amount of water and has the, the deepest plunge, right, to, to displace the most amount of water. So that is scientifically speaking, to make the biggest splash, you use a cannonball. Um, if you want to make a big splash, you don't just kind of like touch your toes in the water, do you? It takes full-on commitment. You give everything you have, and you jump all the way in. So in this series that we're going through, we're asking the question, what would it look like if we did that in our relationship with God? If we didn't just keep uh, kind of playing in the shallow end, but we literally jumped into the deep end and said, God, we are all in 
with you? What would that look like in your life? What would that look like in our church? What kind of difference would that make? So the question we're asking today is, how can I make the biggest splash possible with what I have? We're going to talk today about using the resources, the time, talent, and treasure that God has given to us to make the biggest splash we can while we live um, the life that God has given to us. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been following at all, um, the adve- we'll call them the adventures of Elon Musk. I've been really fascinated lately to see this man's uh, you know, efforts and drive to see us as a human race colonize Mars. <laughs> right? it's, it's really fascinating, and really, whatever you believe about that, it's, it's unbelievable what we're able to accomplish, isn't it? Like we were sitting out the other night just looking up at the stars and the moon and just thinking that we can propel a group of people past our atmosphere into space and send machines to another planet that's thousands upon thousands of miles away. It's crazy. No doubt Elon Musk is going to have a big impact on the human race, isn't he? But to be honest with you, I believe that it pales in comparison to the impact that you and I can have on eternity when we live our lives fully submitted to Jesus Christ. Because what he is doing is impacting the human race. What we can do through God's grace is we can impact what? Eternity, right? And we can have a significant difference when we live our lives surrendered to Christ. A revivalist by the name of D.L. Moody said, the world has yet to see what God can do through a man or woman fully consecrated to God, fully set apart for God's purposes. So I want you guys to join me. I want you to invite you to join me in Mark chapter 12. So grab a copy of God's word. And you guys as home as well, grab a ca- copy of God's word. Um, don't get lazy and just watch it on the screen. Although if that's the only option you have today, uh, feel free. If that helps you focus, feel free. But grab a copy of God's word. There's some in front of you. And we're going to look at an example that Jesus gives of someone who makes a huge impact by going all in. So Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41. And here's what God's word says. Mark 12, starting in verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put in and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but out of her poverty, she put in everything, all she had to live on. Uh, In my home growing up, my dad always took advantage of what he would call teaching moments, teaching opportunities. I don't know if you had parents that would do that for you, but I try to pass it on to my kids. Okay, like, okay, kids, here's a good teaching moment. And Jesus is doing the same thing with his disciples. They're in an outer court of the temple, and they're basically people watching. Any people watchers in the room? You just love to watch people? Yeah, you just love to sit and watch people. It can be interesting and fascinating. Jesus and his disciples were basically people watching, and Jesus is observing that there's a lot of people putting in offerings into the temple treasury, rich people bringing in big bags and just dropping them in, right? Making a lot of fuss and commotion. Like, hey, look at me. I'm giving all of this money to God. 
And then he notices that there is this poor, quiet widow who comes up, and she very quietly takes two small, we actually call them the widow's mite now, don't we, from this actual story, but worth about two pennies. It's all she had to live on. She takes it, and she faithfully puts it as an act of worship into the temple treasury. And Jesus says, hey, guys, come here. I want, this is a teaching moment. I want to teach you something. So he basically asks the question, which one put in more? What would conventional wisdom say? If you're doing the math, (laughs) who put in more into the temple treasury, the rich people or this poor widow? The rich people, right? Conventional wisdom would say, yeah, they did way more. They had bigger impact than she did. But what does Jesus say? The answer to the question, who made the bigger impact, is she did. Why? Because she gave out of her poverty. She gave sacrificially, not just off the top or not just the leftovers. Make sense? So what Jesus is teaching us is that impact isn't measured by the size or quantity of the gift involved. It's measured by the amount of sacrifice of the person giving the gift. Uh, again, Ma- Matthew six nineteen to 21, about resources, Jesus said this, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is teaching us that it's possible to gather up treasures here and have that be wasted. He's also teaching us that it's possible to take the treasures we have here, do something with it, and invest it in the, in the kingdom of God, and see that produce a fruit and a harvest where? In heaven or in eternity, right? Um, talk about a really good mutual fund where you can invest and see eternity. That's why I'm saying, talking about Elon Musk, awesome, but people who are committed to the work of God, you'll see even greater things happen through what you do as a work as a result of your commitment to, and faith in Jesus. Make sense? Okay, so what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to just spell out from Scripture a couple different types of giving that have an impact, and I want us to see the different types of impact um, this type of giving has. So number one, if you're taking notes, would be spontaneous giving. This is that moment when you're driving down the road and you pull up to an intersection and you see somebody at the corner and you feel a prompting from God to, to get involved and to help them. You guys ever done that before? Uh, we're in church. Please be honest. And please say, yes, you have uh, as followers of Jesus, right? This is, this is when the offering basket gets passed or when you walk past it and you're like, eh, I really should put something in there. Or this is when someone in your neighborhood is raising money and they're selling cookies and you buy 500 boxes of cookies because you want to help out their cause. Uh, spontaneous giving is when we feel nudged by the Holy Spirit, and in obedience, we say yes, and we give to help somebody out. Make sense? Here's an example of that in Scripture. Um, the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. Jesus tells the same, same kind of story. There's somebody who's hurt and in need, and there's people who keep walking by not helping that person. Jesus said that there is finally someone who walks by. We know them as the Good, what? The good Samaritan. And Jesus commends them in in this parable because they stop and help because that's what God would want them to do. So when you give spontaneously, God is pleased with that, isn't he? That when you're responding to the Holy Spirit, God is pleased. Um, If you're like me, though, sometimes uh, we get cynical and we get jaded. We're like, well, they should be working. 
you see the, the, the patches worn in the grass right on the corners. And I, I have sometimes unhealthy thoughts and, and bad thoughts. And one time when I was pastoring a church in Indiana, um, you know, as a pastor, you kind of get, you hear all the stories. You know, it's like, hey, my, my cat died. And, you know, all these, it's like all these things, right? It's, it's like a country song. It's just really, really bad. Uh, so you get a little bit cynical and you get a little bit jaded. And so someone called me one time in the office and they kind of went through the story and they, they caught me at the wrong time. And I knew that I was going to say no, regardless of what they asked for. But as the conversation went on, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, Josh, you need to help them. I was dug in, though. And they got to the end of the conversation. They said, this is what I need. I said, nope, sorry, I can't help you today. We hung up the phone. Hung up the phone. I immediately felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever been there before. <laughs> but God was just like, Josh, I, you, you blew it. Like, you did not respond in obedience to me. Josh, it doesn't matter what the other person's going to do with the money. I want you to be responsive to what I'm telling you to do. I was like, God, if you'll give me another chance, um, I'll say yes. I'm not kidding. Uh, two minutes later, that same exact person called me again. I think they might have been dialing another church, but they called us again. <laughs> and he called back a second time. I have no idea why. Well, I do know why, <laughs> right? God wanted to give me a second chance to be obedient to his nudging. The guy called back, and I said yes, right? I said yes, of course. Before he could even get out of his mouth, I was like, oh, yes, we will help you. We will help you. So that's responding. That's spontaneous giving. Um, the, think about the impact of that for a second. Let's just kind of pick that apart. When we give as a response to the Holy Spirit's nudging and guidance, what kind of impact does that have? Go ahead and interrupt with me for a second. Online, you guys can, can post in the chat too. What kind of impact does it have when we spontaneously give in response to the work of the Holy Spirit? Okay, immediate impact. Yeah, it immediately impacts that person that we're helping. What other impact does that have? It blesses them and encourages them. Yeah, what does that do for us? Anything? It does, doesn't it? Like, we're impacted by that too, aren't we? So, so really, spontaneous giving, there's usually an impact for the person we're helping and then an impact for us, the giver, who's responding to that, right? And God is pleased. God is honored when we say, God, all my stuff is yours. If you want to prompt me to help somebody, I'll do that. And that God is honored by spontaneous giving. Would you agree with that? The second type of giving that I want to talk about is what we call planned giving. This is when someone uh, purposely sets aside a portion of their income and their wealth to give on a regular basis. We would call this uh, funding priorities and funding what we value. You guys recognize the principle, right, that we tend to fund the things that we value. You may go, well, I'm just trying to survive, but the truth is, you're funding what you value. If you value retirement, guess what? You'll fund it. <laughs> if you say, I value retirement, but you're not funding it, guess what? You really don't value retirement. Or if you say, you value your kids, you will fund. Your, your, that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, for where your treasure is, there your what is also? Your heart. So our money and our heart are inextricably tied together. So planned giving is when we say, I want to fund the values and priorities that I have. So I get excited about this because as Christians, we get to say, God, I want to prioritize your work in this world. So we will, through discipline, say, I'm going to set aside a portion of my income to help fund the work of God. Uh, one example and an opportunity that my wife and I have had to be a part of something like this is, uh, for the past several years, for probably a good 10 years or more, uh, we've been able to support some friends of ours who are missionaries 
uh, initially in Bangladesh and then in other parts of the world. Their names are Tim and Andrea Dans. They're part of an organization called Food for the Hungry. And it wasn't a lot, but as a part of our regular monthly budget, uh, we said this is planned giving to help fund priorities and the work of God in the world, right? Isn't that, isn't that really cool? I'm not saying like cool for us, but I'm just saying isn't that a really neat opportunity? So let me ask you the question, what kind of impact does planned giving have? What's the difference? What kind of impact does that kind of giving have versus uh, spontaneous giving? When we plan our giving, what type of impact does that have? future yeah we're helping to equip other people to do the work of god and if you think about it, in this situation they were missionaries who were training other missionaries so it has an exponential effect right not just helping one person but helping thousands of people um, come to faith in christ and hear the gospel uh, here's another example uh, scripture teaches a principle that we in the church call tithing the word tithe means a tenth that we believe as a, as a baseline for generosity for Christians that we would return the first uh, tenth of our income as a starting point uh, to the work of God through the local church, that God promises to bless that. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 um, says this. It says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? God's reply is that in tithes and offerings. He goes on to say, it's pretty uh, pretty uh, direct, but you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you'll not be able to store it. I don't understand how this principle works, but it does. I talk to people after people after people who say, you know what, I trust God with the first tenth of my income, and God continues to pour out blessing. I know other people who say, I continue to struggle in my finances. And they say, I just don't have enough to be able to trust God in this area. And what I tell them is I want to challenge you to take that step first and trust God first. I think oftentimes why we struggle financially is because we're not trusting him first. What I have found time after time after time is that those who say, God, I will trust you. It doesn't make sense on paper, but I will trust you. And then oftentimes, so time after time, the finances fall into place that God provides additional income, that things last longer than they should. And that's just been my experience. I want to challenge you and encourage you to trust God with your planned giving. My wife and I do this every single month at the beginning of the month. We automate it through our, our online giving platform as a church that 10% of our income goes directly to, to Evident Church for the work of God. Now think about the impact. Think about this. And obviously, I'm geeked about the church, all right? No, <laughs> You guys understand my bias. Like, I am all for the local church. But think about that. Think about the impact that the local church has. Think about the impact of people's regular, faithful, planned giving to the work of God. Because churches are not supported by spontaneous giving. $10 here, $20 here does not allow us to do what we get to do. This happens because people regularly, faithfully return back to God uh, what is his. And God blesses it. So think about what's happening in our kids' ministry right now. That kids are being discipled to follow Jesus. Think about the ripples that that will have for generations to come. Think about worship services like this and how your faith is built up. Think about the outreach that happens through our church, right? Um, think, it's amazing to think about the impact that happens through planned, regular giving. So 
Is God a part of your planned giving? Are you regularly giving to the work of God? Uh, the impact of that is amazing. I heard this uh, story one time. Uh, it's more of a, a legend, kind of that category. But you get to the story in the Bible of Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus had a height problem, and there's a crowd of people. Jesus was coming through, and he couldn't get to Jesus. So what did Zacchaeus do? You know the song, Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree because the Lord he wanted to see. Oh, that's the story. He got up in a tree so that he could see Jesus, and then Jesus spots him. Jesus comes into his life. Do you guys remember what Zacchaeus' response was? He said, here and today, if I give half my wealth to the poor, and if I've defrauded or cheated anybody, I will also repay that back. So when he met Jesus, his money didn't matter to him anymore because he found something infinitely more valuable. There's this legend that exists, I don't know how true it is, but that Zacchaeus, for the rest of his life, continued to take care of that sycamore tree. And when his wife asked him why he was doing this, spending all this time and resources to care for the tree, he said, it's the tree that held me so Jesus could find me. And for many people, the church is the tree that holds them so that Jesus can find them. Amen? So we gladly give to the work of God, and we see the impact of that on generations I get fired up about this stuff. And the third type of giving, did we not pay our electric bill? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the third type of giving is what we'd call exuberant. Oh, we, yeah, there we go. It's that light switch right over there. Hit the top part. There you go. Yes, yes. Awesome. Okay, so uh, exuberant or sacrificial giving. This is when a person says, God, all of it is yours. And you're, you're free to direct it however you want to. So let me ask you, is there anything in your life right now that if God were to say, I want you to do this, that you would say no? Or does God have free reign on everything in your life? Is there anything that you're holding back from God? Sacrificial giving, like this widow, says, I am going to give everything to God and allow him to use it however he wants to. This widow didn't hold anything back. She gave it all to God. We see an example of this in the New Testament. I love this picture of the early church. Acts chapter 4, verses 30, 32 to 35. It says, All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. Doesn't sound, sound awesome? They said, it's all yours, God. And took care of people's needs. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. See, some people choose to say, God, if I, whatever bonuses I get this year, God, those are yours. Whatever extras I have, God, those are yours. They're willing to live in a way that says, God, it's all yours. I have a pastor friend, a friend who's a pastor in Pennsylvania, and their church was in a similar season to ours. Uh, they were raising money, and they were building buildings, and God was doing great things. And as they cast vision to their church, the pastor had a young businessman that approached him and said, I really want to be involved, but I don't have any extra cash to be able to get involved. And the guy said, well, guys, just pray and just ask God, what do you want you to do? And the guy felt like God was saying that he wanted him to give his beloved Porsche. That he just had a Porsche that he just, just finished paying off. And the guy said, 
God, I'll do it. So he gave his Porsche to the church. The pastor drove it around for a couple of weeks before they found a buyer for it. <laughs> so uh, where's my Porsche? No, I'm just kidding. But this person was so caught up in what God was doing that they said, we want to, we want to, God, it's all yours. God, it's all yours. They eventually sold it, right? And it went to the work of God. But is there anything in your life that you're holding on to just saying, God, um, I, you can't touch this, but I want to encourage you. Now, let me ask you a question. What kind of impact does exuberant or sacrificial giving have? Talked about the others, right? What type of giving, what type of impact does this type of giving have on the, on the kingdom of God? Any ideas? When you see somebody give sacrificially, what does that do for you? Inspirational, right? So sacrificial giving has an impact on whatever that person's giving to, but it also exponentially increases because other people are inspired by that giving as well. So when our community sees a group of people like Evident Church going all in with their faith, all in with all of their resources, what do you think that will do to our community? Our community is going to be like, okay, like this, something amazing is going on there, right? God is doing something there. I believe that this type of giving is scary powerful when a group of people say, God, it's all yours. That's what we see in Acts chapter 4, isn't it? That they said, these aren't mine, these are yours, God, and we want you to use them for your purposes. The kingdom is advanced. I think that the darkness is pushed back when the people of God say, God, this is yours, use it. I pray that that would be us. I pray that that would be us. Uh, Jim Elliott, who is a well, uh, fairly well-known uh, missionary, um, who at the age of 28 um, surrendered his life physically um, to, to be martyred for his faith, he wanted to reach a group of people who were unreached, and it was a dangerous group of people to reach, but he said, I don't care. So he, he went there, and he he uh, served and ministered among them. They eventually took his life. But in that village, eventually, because of his love and sacrifice, uh, they, they, command, they uh, became followers of Jesus as well. But he said this, Jim Elliott said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What I'm calling us to as followers of Jesus is to recognize that the, the, the money that we hold on to we can't, at the end of the day, we can't keep that, can we? No, we don't, we don't, there's no hearses on the way to funerals, right? I'm sorry, wait, there are hearses. There's, there's no U-Hauls, that's what the saying is. There's no U-Hauls being, U-Hauls being pulled behind hearses, right? We can't take it with us, but we can use it to make a difference for eternity. That's what I'm calling us to do as a church. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, we are at such a unique place in the history of our church. If you're new to us today, um, we're getting ready to embark on uh, expanding our building. Phase two is going to be kicking off one week from tomorrow. Yeah, we're, we're pumped about it. Go ahead, go ahead and clap. Let's, let's celebrate for that. It's awesome. And we recognize that buildings are just tools for ministry, but I get so excited when I think about the ministry God's going to enable us to do, and I'm challenging us to go all in. I'm challenging you to go all in with your faith. Our ushers are going to help us right now. They're going to pass out um, a brochure. It looks just like this. And even if you've already had one of these, go ahead and take one. I want to have one of these in their hand. 
They're going to pass this out. It's going to explain a little bit more uh, what we're headed into and what God is, what God is calling us to. Uh, if you're watching us online, you can go to evidentchurch.com forward slash all in, and you can see all this information on there as well. So All In is a 30-month growth initiative for us as a church, and we have two goals. Our first goal for All In is what we're calling 100% engagement, that our desire is that every single person who calls Evident Church their home would go all in with their faith and would be involved in some way financially in the All In campaign. Our secondary goal is to raise $300,000 over 30 months. This money will be used to fully equip phase two of our new space. It'll help us increase our outreach to the community. And number three, it'll help us to prepare for the future. So what we're asking everyone to do is to prayerfully consider over this next week how God might want you to be involved. Next Sunday is what we're calling Commitment Sunday. We're asking everyone to come after praying and asking God and to be involved in some way. We're going to bring these cards with us. So these cards, pull this card out real quick. This is a commitment card. And uh, we're asking people to prayerfully consider and work through this and say, God, what do you want me to do? And the number, the number you're praying for, the thing that you're looking at is that, that box down there that says total 30-month commitment. Now, we do need some people to give one-time gifts up front. This will go toward things like chairs. We'd like to have some chairs in our worship space. We need to add a few more. We want to have things for our kids' ministry. We want to have things for our lobby, and I uh, want to be able to increase our outreach. So we do need some things up front, but we also are asking people to give over 30 months, and we're asking people to make those sacrifices. If you, if you gave $100 per month over 30 months, that is the equivalent of $3,000. If 100 people, 100 households, gave $100 a month over 30 months, how much money does that add up to? $300,000, all right? Not, we don't necessarily have 100 households, and not everyone can do that. Some people have to do more. Some people are able to do more. We're not asking for equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. That we're all allowing God to stretch us and challenge us. So that is our, our goal and desire. Um, I, want, I want to uh, encourage you guys to turn your attention to the screen and watch this video. Do you remember when we were kids? We'd stand on the edge of the pool, take a giant leap, and yell that famous phrase, cannonball. It was so freeing. They abandoned the commitment. And our goal was to make the biggest splash we could, to have the biggest impact. What if we lived in every area of our lives that way for Christ? In our relationships, in our jobs, in our faith, in our time, talent, and treasure, Imagine the impact we could have, the ripples that we could create for eternity if we lived all in for the cause of Christ. This past few years has been absolutely amazing. We've grown from a handful of people meeting in a school to a few hundred people meeting in our own space and meeting our community's needs. Our church has grown numerically, but more importantly, our impact for the kingdom has grown significantly. We are now standing on the edge of the future God has for us, and He's calling us to go all in. He's calling us to increase our faith, increase our surrender, and increase our generosity so we can increase our impact for the kingdom. 
Now is the time to make that leap. Now is the time we're being challenged to go all in for the one who went all in for us. In Joshua chapter 3, God led the Israelites across the Jordan River. They stepped foot into the river, God parted the waters, and they crossed on dry ground. Once they had crossed, though, that was only half the battle. They now had a whole new challenge in front of them. There was so much more God was calling them to do as they now stepped foot into land that He had promised. All In is a 30-month growth initiative for us to go all in on the plans God has for us to reach our community for Christ. Our primary goal is 100% engagement. When we go all in with our faith, we all win. Our secondary goal is $300,000 over 30 months. Reaching this goal will enable us to fully equip phase two of our new space, increase our outreach, and prepare for the future as we seek to make more and better disciples for Jesus. We're asking everyone to pray one simple prayer. Jesus, what do you want me to do? I'm asking you to join us as we go all in and see all the amazing things God will do. So next Sunday, uh, we're going all in. $300,000 is our goal, above and beyond regular giving over the next 30 months. People ask me, Josh, don't you feel bad asking people for money? And I think there's times where I'm tempted to feel bad about that, just being honest with you. But the truth is, no, I don't. I don't feel bad for calling people to use their lives and their resources for kingdom purposes. I just don't. There's no greater thing that we could do with our, our resources than invest them in the work of God. So if God has blessed you with resources, I want to encourage you to use those. Return those back to him, just like the widow gave all that she had, that we would surrender everything we have and go all in with God. Only you will know for sure if your sacrifice, if your involvement um, is what God is asking you to do. Um, my wife and I are doing this. We've been talking about and praying about um, our sacrifice um, in this season. Our leaders are doing this. In fact, tonight at Vision Night, we'll be sharing what our leaders have committed so far to this project, and it's super encouraging. Our leaders are involved in this, are behind this. So what kind of splash will you make? I'm going to finish with this uh, final story, and the worship team can head up. So I have lots of nieces and nephews, and my dad recently told this story that uh, my, nep my niece, uh, Spencer Rose, uh, when she was three years old, her whole family attended a church service a lot like this one at my brother's church that he pastored at the time in Indiana. And uh, she was in the service with everybody else, and they were really, uh, observe, really watching what she did the entire service. Um, she was doing everything that she saw everybody else doing, right? Uh, she, as people stood up to worship, she would stand up to worship. As people raised their hands, guess what she did? She would raise her hands in worship. They were really curious to see what would happen as the offering plate got passed. See, she came to church that day with her most prized possession, her little pink carry-everywhere purse. And inside that purse, all of her most valuable treasures and trinkets. And they were astonished to see that as they passed the offering plate passed, she took her little purse and she held it over the offering plate. She dumped it upside down and dumped out all of the contents. She held nothing back. I really do believe that if we will surrender everything to God, 
that he will be glorified and honored. Amen, church? And that you will be closer to God. That is what we need. We need intimacy with our God. Say, God, I'm not holding anything back. All of it's yours. Just imagine the impact and the splash and the ripples that we could have as a group of people that does that together. Amen? Would you guys stand with me as we pray? God, I believe that the, uh, the call, the challenge is clear. What I'm asking for right now is for courage. Courage to be obedient to you. Courage to step out in faith. God, I want that for us. So anything that's holding us back, God, we give it to you. We surrender it to you. God, please work through the objections, the questions, the what-ifs, and help us to trust our God. Jesus, thank you for changing our lives. Thank you for doing it all for us on the cross. Help us to live lives that are all in for you. God, I can't wait to see all you're going to do in and through our church family over these next few years and over this next decade. God, would you please do more than we could possibly ask or imagine? All for your namesake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.